Welcome to Gospel Central, where we help ministry-minded Christians to think through Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection. We are here today to discuss how this gospel is the very heart of the Christian faith and how it empowers all of life and ministry. We are your hosts. I'm Ed. I'm Simon. And we are glad that to have you listening in as we consider all kinds of practical and theological topics through the lens of the gospel. We do have a guest with us today, Simon, do we? We do. Um, and can you please tell us about him? All right. Well, today it's a great honor for us to have uh, Pastor Eugene Lowe with us. Uh, great to have you, brother. Uh, before you tell us about yourself, let me tell all our listeners a little bit about mm. you. I met Eugene, uh, I think, December 2008. Wow. We got connected through Z. Mm-hmm. Yeah, through uh, Z's blog. Through Z's blog, that's mm-hmm. right. He connected us. You were living in the States at the time in D.C. And we're back here for a holiday. And uh, my awkward memory of that time was I actually stood you up on our f- the first ever time we were supposed to meet. Oh, we, yeah, had a, we, we had a scheduled yeah. meeting at 8 really? p.m. Okay. At Adam Road, at Empress, yeah, Empress <laughs> something at the Farrow Road. And uh, Eugene emailed me like half an hour later to say, hey, are we supposed to be meeting? I totally forgot. And so our relationship got off to not the best start. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Simon was watching the F1 race. <laughs> that was, was very, I? That was very <laughs> impressive, I guess. <laughs> anyway, uh, after we did end up becoming friends, we did end up meeting. And uh, a couple of years later, 2013, Eugene... Uh, with Claire and their boys ended up moving to RHC to pastor. Yes. Uh, we often talk about just what a massive blessing that was to RHC, how mm. formative um, Eugene's ministry was and helpful it was, particularly in areas of pastoral care and discipleship, mm-hmm. community, things that we're going to be talking about today. Yes. Uh, so we served as co-elders, pastors together for just about four years mm-hmm. at RHC. That's right. And uh, yeah, a, re- a real, real blessing. And then uh, you guys moved to Grace Baptist Church, mm-hmm. uh, where you've been pastoring since then. Yep. Um, so it really is a wonderful joy that uh, we've got Eugene with us and we've got a, a long friendship. And he's someone that I know all the elders, many of the members that RSU respect mm-hmm. uh, in a huge <coughs> way. So glad that you're with us, Eugene. We're glad to be here. Wonderful to have you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, a bit about the family, a bit about GBC, and then we'll dive into uh, what we're going to be talking about today. Mm. Yeah, I think Simon mentioned that I, I we were living in the States, so I was working as a journalist in, in a former life. So I, I did, did journalism for about eight years and then went into pastoral ministry after that. Uh, I'm married to Claire. Uh, we have two boys, Zachary and Ian. Zachary is 11 this year. Ian is uh, not nine, no, sorry, eight. <laughs> That's eight in September. Uh, both of them are in primary school and we've been at Grace Baptist Church since 2017. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it's been yeah, it's been good. I mean, it's been a growing experience for us. We've we've loved uh, just seeing God at work in our lives as well as in the lives of the people that we meet with. That's great. Certainly, talking to you over the years, um, it just sounds encouraging about the work that God's doing in the church. I know that you do seem to be encouraged, and so mm-hmm. it just seems like you've been a wonderful blessing there. Um, and glad that even though you're not in the same church as us, we can. Be friends, work together um, in different forums and encourage each other in the gospel. Yeah, yeah. I think that's been really encouraging to see kind of God at work in different places through through guys that, you know, we all used to be in this one mm-hmm. place together, but now spread out to different places. Yeah. Yeah, that's been really good to see. Yeah. Well, really good to have you here with us both um, today. And, um, you know, and I, I think that your time in Redemption Hill Church was really uh, memorable for myself. Um, I think 
um, your ministry has left a mark on many in the church, uh, including myself. Um, I think, and we are here today to talk about one of, uh, I think, a topic that I'm sure is close to your heart and it's actually close to our hearts as well, which is about community. Uh, but why don't I just begin with this thing? Because I think I recall many years ago, I think one of the first times when I first met you, or shortly after, where you just kind of mentioned that how preaching often, you know, have these like applications for individuals, but they, they don't really kind of apply to church corporately, right? Yeah. So why don't you uh, give us an insight to how, how did you develop this kind of conviction about the need to apply even in preaching to the church corporately and just give us a couple of examples of how you do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think just from reading scriptures, so much of scripture is addressed not to individuals. I would say maybe most of scripture is not addressed to just individuals, but it's addressed to communities of God's people. I mean, you have that in the Old Testament where mm. where where it's written for Israel, it's written for uh, a collective people, mm. and and then in the New Testament, most of the letters are addressed to churches, right, and. You know, so as, as we're aware of that, we realize that a lot of applications should be addressed to groups of people, not just individuals with individual concerns, but but rather groups of people in relationship with one another, mm. in, in covenant relationship with one another. And I think that that helps us to apply well, you know, as we think about how scripture is spoken to a people, not mm. just to disconnected, uh, disparate, and isolated individuals. Uh, mm-hmm. And I would say that we can't. I don't think we understand the New Testament rightly if if we just have preaching that goes that that's addressed to individuals, because the New Testament letters are written to churches. Uh, Paul's addressing groups of of Christians in relationship with one another and, and how they're meant to live out their their lives as as God's people together. Uh, so so I guess for me, as I think about application, uh, just focusing on. Just focusing on, uh, yeah, I, I think thinking about how how this work will affect our relationships. I think that's just one area that, that I'll think about when I apply. Yeah. So I remember uh, when we had all of our preaching meetings at RHC over those four years discussing upcoming Sunday texts. It was one of the things you often used to say, and uh, I think like it really left an impression on me. Uh, trying to help me think, I think I had a tendency to often think through the text application to individuals and their own personal walk with God. Are they supposed to live uh, questions that are in your mind that kind of give shape to uh, how you're thinking through application? Hmm. Uh, I think one of the questions I would ask is how does this how does this affect our relationships with one another? Okay. So mm-hmm. how would I mm-hmm. relate to a fellow believer? How would I relate to uh, uh, a parent, uh, a child? How, how would I relate to my spouse? So it's, it's asking those relational type okay. application questions, I guess. So it's not just about how is my individual walk with Jesus going, but, but how, how do I live out my walk with Jesus with all these other people whom God has placed in my life? And how can I be faithful uh, with the gospel with them as well? How do I encourage them in the gospel or, or share the gospel with them? Yeah, so, so those are, I mean, that's it's just a really... Like I find it's just a really simple question to ask. You know, how does this impact my relationships? Mm. And and how do I work out my my Christian life in relationship with others? And yet the effect of that in the church is quite profound because suddenly week in and week out, people are getting a diet and they're hearing all the time mm. of how this, you know, this text is supposed to <coughs> shape that community. Yeah, 
but just to uh maybe just to help the uh, help those who are listening in would you have like maybe just a particular passage or verse that is often taken in an individualistic way but you um mm. would actually thought that actually that's really actually talking in a corporate corporate sense yeah i think uh i was quite struck recently you know romans romans 12 1 or 2 when paul <coughs> says offer your mm-hmm. bodies as a living sacrifice and oftentimes we, we read those verses and we think yeah i offer myself as a yes. a living sacrifice just right. myself Offering myself yeah in an individual sense mm. and i think yeah we should do that as individuals mm. we should offer ourselves obviously as, as living sacrifices mm-hmm. to god but when we look at that text really carefully you, you, I, I think it's quite striking how paul moves from the plural right Offer yourselves, plural, mm. as a living sacrifice, one. So, so from the right. plural to the singular. Right. And mm. I think what he's getting at is that all mm. of you Christians together offer yourselves as one body, you know, as one living sacrifice to God. So, so your, the, the way you do your community right. is, is, is a form of worship to God. Right? The, the way you, you live your life in relationship with one mm. another, that, that is your your, your living sacrifice. Yeah. So it's not just something I can do on my own as, as an individual Christian, but, but it's something that I, I, I must do in, in committed relationships with, with my brothers and sisters. Mm. I think I heard you mention this before, where you say, like, um, just read the verse for us, which is, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And here's what I'm talking about, which is brothers, your bodies, and yet, it's all presented as one mm. living sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really striking and really helps us to think about how much of the Bible really speaks to us um, living out as community under God. Mm. Mm. So maybe there's a nice segue into our um, next question, which is like, what would actually be, how would you define biblical community? And what's the relationship between community and the gospel? Mm. Uh yeah, I, I just taught a membership class at church, and I think I, I think the way I defined the church was it, it's a gospel form community. Mm. It, it's a gospel shaped community. So, mm. so the way we relate to one another, it's 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 shaped by mm. by how Christ has saved us, how Christ is at work in us, and and where Christ is taking us. So it's mm-hmm. gospel shaped, and it's it's gospel displaying. So, so in the way we relate to one another in our in our words in our actions mm-hmm. uh, the way we serve one another i mean all that has the, i mean all that is a wonderful opportunity to really make the gospel very clear mm-hmm. and and evident to the people around us uh, so i guess that that in a nutshell is is what i think community should be so it's not community as i define it right but rather community as as the gospel forms it and, and shapes it and defines it Maybe one way to help our listeners think through that is to maybe show like the converse of that, right? So how do you sometimes think churches are prone to <coughs> to have like pseudo have community that is not really a gospel community, but it's kind of like a pseudo mm. community, maybe like, you know, interest groups or people mm. of similar life stages that happen to meet at a church. How would you distinguish like a gospel community from from what we do sometimes see? Yeah, I think I think it's I think we need to realize that uh Christians don't have a monopoly on community. Uh, and I mean, many people do want community and many, and many people do seek out community. Mm-hmm. So, so community itself is not necessarily Christian. 
I, I think what make right. so so I think like like you rightly said, I think people will gather around common causes, interests, hobbies, life stages, uh, likes, dislikes, etc., etc. Et right. right. The, 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 there's there's a proliferation of all these mm-hmm. kinds of communities. I think what makes community distinctly Christian is the, the fact that it is God who creates it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so we don't we actually don't create community, but but God brings us together through the gospel. He, he mm-hmm. saves us into uh, people, right? Uh, so, so grace, his grace is the basis of of that new community, mm-hmm. and, and and I think our role is is not to create that, but our role is to to I think enter into that community through the gospel and and, and begin to allow the gospel to to reshape the way we think about community. So instead of you know one one practical outworking of that could be in, instead of just gathering with people that that have common interests or, or life stages, which we are inclined to do naturally. Right. Maybe instead thinking about how our, how our communities can be diverse mm-hmm. with, with different people coming together because the one thing that unifies them is uh, their love for Jesus and, and, and how Christ has set his love on them. Right. Uh, so, so I think our, our communities can be distinctly Christian in that way. I think we're meant to be distinctly Christian in that way. Right. I guess... Guess what you're trying to. I think what you're trying to say is that community is not. Um, I think it's very helpful to think of community as not just for Christians, because everyone seeks community, and then I think in some sense, right? I mean, what is actually true Christian community is not just based on whether even whether it's actually diverse. I mean, I'm just thinking, asking from an audience point of view. Right? Maybe I find myself in. A, a church community where it's kind of diverse, right? Mm. But I'm not sure whether we are really relating to each other in a biblical way, mm. right? So I'm asking, so what does that functional relationship will, will look like? How how do I know whether I'm actually in a like so-called go- gospel like gospel-shaped community? Mm. To use uh, your words, yeah, I think I think Jesus' basic command is very helpful when he says <clears throat> in John 13, uh, you know, love one another just as I have loved you. Mm-hmm. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So, so I, I guess if we were to distill uh, a functional characteristic of, of Christian community, it, it's love. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's love as, as as defined and modeled by Christ. Right? So it's not even the way I think about love. Right. It's, it's not the way the world thinks about love, but it's, it's the way... Christ displays that love has loved us, mm-hmm. and, and then our community is meant to reflect that that nature of love that, that Christ has has demonstrated first, you know, in, in saving us. So, so as we as we think about the love of Christ for us, I guess we we think about things like it, it's self sacrificial, it, mm. it's gracious, it's merciful, it's compassionate. Mm. It, it's given not because the recipient is worthy, right? Uh, but but it's given really for the glory of God in obedience to the Father uh, to, to display just the lavish generosity and, and grace of God. Mm. And I, I think that, that, that that's a powerful thing to reflect in, in our community that, that will really point to the reality of Christ and, and the gospel. Yeah. So, so maybe love as a, as a kind of key defining mark of, of Christian community and, and love as, as shape. As, as you know, as displayed by Christ. So, I think you rightly point out that how 
our definition of love must actually be um, first defined by what Christ has said and how he has uh, loved us. Um, so I guess maybe just broadening it a bit as well, which is like in your years of ministry, in, in ministry, what are some of the con- misconceptions regarding community that you have actually found mm. like to be common? I mean, they may say, I mean, I'm thinking, imagining, they might say, um, I'm looking for love, right? But then you realize that they have that misconception or a kind of like more other kinds of mm. Uh, mm. Uh, misconceptions that you see. I, I guess maybe one, I mean, we can idolize community, right? So, so, so we can kind of look for church uh, because we want community, but but maybe in some cases we want community more than we want Christ. Mm-hmm. So, so we've mm-hmm. kind of taken uh, a gift of the gospel and, and made it the thing. Right? So, so we right. kind of define everything uh, based on the kind of community we want as opposed to seeking Christ and, and then allowing him to to shape the way we think about community. Mm. Uh, I, I think, Simon, it was a quote that you shared once, I remember, uh, from Bonhoeffer, where he talks about... From Life Together. Yeah, from Life Together. That, right. you know, when we, you know, if we have a certain idea of community and then we, we enter a community expecting our idea of community to be satisfied. Right. And Bonhoeffer says people who, who come into a community like that actually end up destroying that community. So ironic, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that is the, the tragic irony of it where we want community before we want Christ and, and that actually undermines the mm. very community that we are seeking. I think Bonhoeffer's point is that when you have some ideal of community and then you come in and you expect people mm. to live up to that, when they don't live up to your expectation, you end up judging them. Right. Um, which destroys the very community that you're trying to build. Mm. Um, mm. And that's why it's such an insightful point that in a sense, we actually don't get community by trying to create it, but we rather end up getting Christian community, as you said, by pursuing Christ and actually mm. pouring ourselves out in love for one another. And community in a sense is a fruit of our love for one another. That's right. Um, as opposed to something that we, just make and create so yeah yeah it's enjoying christ and, and enjoying the, the the people that he brings us into because he saved us as opposed to just seeking community for its own sake yeah i think it's very helpful for us to talk about the importance of actually treasuring christ first um before we actually um, talk about the importance of community as well mm. because um like you said, it's like everyone is looking for community, but there's something distinct about Christian community, right? I think there's also this sense in which that it's a community where everyone is actually treasuring Christ mm. more, right, as their treasure, before they actually relate to each other in love as well. Because otherwise, I can imagine that we might actually end up loving each other in unhelpful ways. Mm. Mm. Um, I mean, maybe just to push it a little bit, like what are some of the examples you can think of where it's well-intentioned, right? But it's actually not really loving. Yeah, I guess if you're trying to build relationships around maybe similarities that, that we're looking for, it could be common life stage, common interest, and, and we're kind of basing our relationships on, on those commonalities. I think mm-hmm. that, yeah, that, that actually sells the gospel short because it's not about uh, finding our identity in Christ is actually trying to find our identity in other other things. Right. 
and, and that excludes people unnecessarily. You know, people who don't mm. might not share mm. those uh, mm. interests or might not might be at a different stage so of life. So not displaying the love of Christ in, in that yeah. way, right? Yeah. 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 So in a sense, we're also like, I guess, defining who we will have community with narrower than Christ defines it, right? Mm. Because Christian mm. community is defined by Christ himself. He's the be-all and end-all of that. So anyone that Christ adds to the church through his death and resurrection, we have been brought into you know, unity with in the spirit. Um, but when we try and narrow that and say, you know, I'm going to enter this church and not have community with everyone in this church, but rather everyone in this church who has a similar profession to me and life stage and interest there, mm. Mm. Um, we are actually narrowing that scope instead yeah. of just enjoying yeah. all the gifts that God's given us. Yeah. And I guess some of that comes from the, the assumption that we get along best with people who are most like us. Right. And and, and I think the Bible challenges that assumption. Okay. Yeah. I think it pushes back on that. And, and I, I think it challenges us to think about how, how are we building community that's really centered on sharing in Christ and the gospel mm. as opposed to trying to find uh, the basis of our community and other things. Yeah, yeah, that's a challenging thing to think about. Yeah. Mm. So if someone who is like coming to you and you know they are disillusioned, right, with the community, right, um, how would you counsel them? Uh, yeah, I mean that that that's a broad question. Like, I guess maybe maybe it's to start with uh, the person himself, right, yeah. to, to ask. Would him, you want me to give more details? <laughs> Yeah, it could be. What what are his expectations of community? Like like, like what we talked about uh, are his expectations of community, mm-hmm. uh, good good expectations, you know, biblical expectations, or, or are they right. not? Uh, and I guess how how is he himself uh, conducted? You know, himself in community. I guess there are two that there, there are two ways to think about it, right? I mean, one might have biblical expectations, but he or uh, him he. He finds himself in the community where these biblical expectations are, are not met. Um, I guess we can talk about that case first. Then there's also the other case where um, they kind of have wrong expectations and um, yeah, and you can just talk about how how you actually counsel them. Yeah, I, I guess if the first one, I guess first. Yeah, I, I think even with the right expectations of of community. Mm. Uh, I, I think community is messy. I, I mean, we, we live on, you know, we're, we're looking forward to glory. So, right. so as we wait, uh, you know, our, our lives are still messy. You know, we mm. still struggle with sin mm-hmm. in various ways ourselves. We, we struggle with sin in our relationships. That's right. mm. uh, and I think that is a part of biblical expectations as well. We live uh, before glory, so mm. so we would expect to be uh to, to face challenges in community mm. Mm. and then that is part of what it means to to live and to grow as a christian maybe it's helpful there to 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 understand that where where challenges are not challenges are not necessarily bad things right, right. that but but they are means that god uses in our lives to to grow us in christ likeness so i think I think it's quite striking when you read the New Testament. Many times, the New Testament writers emphasize qualities like uh, endurance, mm-hmm. uh, patience, uh, being long-suffering, right? Uh, being gentle, uh, bearing with one another. Yeah, bearing with one another. I I, th- yeah. I think the New Testament writers were being very wise, uh, 
pastors. They, they, they're being very realistic right. about the about the travails of, of living in community. They mm. recognize that it, w- it will not always be easy. Mm. We will uh, tread on one another's toes, you know, sometimes unintentionally, sometimes intentionally. And, and, and the expectation is that we all exercise that, I, I think, that grace and mercy in community. Yeah. Eugene, so you touched on such a great point that community is messy uh, often. And I guess difficulties in relationships or like messy community can be one reason why people may want to actually withdraw and be nervous of, of community. Yet on the other hand, sometimes the difficulties and then how we process those or work those through actually can end up resulting in really beautiful relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, do you have any comments on that or examples maybe of how you've seen situations that maybe it would otherwise be difficult or even maybe difficult community situations get resolved through the gospel in a way that ended up displaying the glory of the gospel and actually leading people into richer relationships? Hmm. Yeah, I, I think as a pastor, uh, I think one of the joys is I think seeing people in conflict experiencing uh, reconciliation and restoration. Mm, right. And, and not just kind of moving on and, and kind of sweeping things under the carpet, but but by actually being able to talk about hurts honestly, transparently, and, and still extend forgiveness and grace to one another. I think, right. yeah, I'm sure you guys have seen that mm-hmm. as, as well in your experience as pastors. I think that's one of the joys of, of ministry. I think it's in those moments of of conflict, uh, reconciliation, restoration. I, I think that's where we, we really see the gospel very beautifully displayed mm. in, in community. Mm. And and mm. I think if we're like like you rightly said, I think if we're too quick to just exit the community simply because we've experienced a uh, hurt. I, I feel that that in some ways misses an opportunity. Mm. Yeah, it misses an opportunity to really display the gospel. Yeah. yeah. It's great. I think we'll close our time, but uh, why don't we wrap up by I can ask you a few questions and we have a bit of quick fire round and we can like a bonus try point to finish this. Uh, yeah, we'll I'll be scoring over here. <laughs> yeah, which is like um, maybe just like um, May 1st office, uh, what are a couple of books you feel that will be helpful for our listeners if they want to find out more about you know living in biblical community? Uh, the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> and one hundred points. <laughs> but, that. Yeah, I think the the book that we mentioned earlier, you know, Life Together by Bonhoeffer. Yeah, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, another book that's been helpful is uh, this one by Mark Dever called The Compelling Community. Okay. Yeah, that one's yeah. helpful too. Sure, mm. great. And now, if I'm a pastor listening to this, and I actually desire to actually really shape my church or my community this way. Right. What are some practical steps you think you can do? Just one or two things. Yeah, I, I think uh, I mean one is definitely preach the gospel, you know, and mm. and to and to understand that the gospel is what shapes our relationships. Right. Yeah. So the gospel is not just preach because you're doing evangelism, but but mm. you're preaching the gospel so that you're helping believers mm. see how the truths of the gospel are are being worked out right. in in the way we relate to one another. So so I think a big part of of shaping the community is really preaching the gospel and, and helping people connect the gospel to their relationships. So for example, qualities mm. like love, mm. uh, uh, forgiveness, mm. reconciliation. I mean, these are, these are all gospel qualities. Right. And sometimes we don't see that and we need to kind of connect the dots uh, for, for God's people. Yeah. And even like what you mentioned about how to love those who are unlike us because that's actually how God has loved us mm-hmm. in the gospel, right? That's right, yeah. 
Um, so then if it's a, for example, a church member that's here listening to this and they long for that kind of community, um, well, maybe shop changing church, <laughs> right? So what practical steps can they take to move towards that? Yeah, uh, it's, it's like what we mentioned earlier. Uh, mm. you know, re- really pursue Christ, mm. seek to be faithful to Him, mm. uh, trust Him, uh, obey what He says about how we relate to Him, how we relate to others. So, so even in even in the desire for mm. uh, deeper community, I, I think to make sure that we don't desire deeper community at the expense of loving people, ironically. Right. Right, to, to make sure that we, we follow Jesus and, and we love people uh, as, as he's loved us. So, so, so the community is not the thing, right? But it's, mm. it's how do we be faithful to, to still loving people where we are. If God's given us opportunity with this particular group of people, yeah, let, let's be faithful to, to just love them and, and trust God and be patient. Right. And, and pray that God will also change, our, change the hearts of, of people around us to, right. to also desire him, to desire the kind of community that he wants us to display as his people so so love prayer patience mm. uh i think those are some just basic things that we can do it sounds like what you're saying is um that often people just ask questions by asking how can the people around me be community to me mm. but maybe one of the first questions we ask ourselves is how can i be that community to them yeah right? yeah so instead of asking who's my neighbor <laughs> yeah, ask, how can I be a neighbor? That's exactly to the people around me. Great. Um, and thank you for being with us today, Eugene. No, thanks for having me here. It's good. Yeah. Good to catch up with you all. It's really great to see you. Thanks for sharing your wisdom. Uh, and we'd love to have you back on some time and be able to talk some more. Thanks, guys. Thank you. <laughs>